Hey everyone, I'm your host, Andres Sanchez, and this is Sociology Talk. Hey everyone, thanks for coming back and uh, listening to another episode. Here we have Dr. Janet Armentor, who is the Chair of Sociology at California State University of Bakersfield. So thank you for coming. Glad to have you on. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you betcha. And um, before I go into, you know, what your status is and title is on this campus and what that entails, um, I usually ask the guests, what actually drew you into sociology? How did you fall in love with the discipline? Good question. Oh, goodness. That is a story. So um, I actually uh, came into sociology um, not directly. I had changed my major a couple of times, as uh, I'm sure so many students do. Uh, when mm-hmm. I first got into college, I thought I was going to be a elementary school teacher. Um, I've always, well, I will say that I've known that I've wanted to be a teacher for many years. Uh, when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I used to help um, some of my classmates with the school material. You know, I would help tutor them sometimes after class. And I just, you know, really enjoyed working with students and working with others. Um, and I just knew that that was something that I, I felt like I could make a good contribution to. So, uh, you know, at, th- at first I thought, okay, let me just, let me try elementary education. Uh, it took me maybe just a semester to realize that, no, that was not for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I was like, no, I don't know if I have that much patience. I have patience, but that's, that requires a tremendous amount of patience. And I, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, maybe I should try a different, approach or different level. So I changed, you know, my major a couple of times. And I just remember sitting in uh, a sociology class. And this is where we hear from so many of our students. This is how they come to sociology is they're sitting into, you know, sitting in a sociology class. And it's just something that they hear really speaks to them. You know, Mm -hmm. it just, they can relate to it in some way. And for me, um, you know, I, I had an interesting experience as a, as a teenager. Um, I, uh, you know, uh, was a teenage mom. So, uh, when I, throughout my senior year, um, I was pregnant in school mm. and, um, it was a very difficult, difficult, uh, time. I, I must say, as you can imagine, uh, mm-hmm. trying to be, you know, finish, you know, trying to be a senior in high school and uh, be pregnant and then, you know, um, also have a child right right when I was getting ready to graduate from high school. Um, and, you know, it was just so it was a difficult time. I actually, strangely enough, I did very well in school my senior year because I feel like I think I was really motivated mm-hmm. um, to go to college. Um because I knew I was going to need to do this um, to provide for myself and my child. And so I, I think that um, that experience was very formative for me. It really shaped me. And, and to this day, still, I, t- I would say that was the experience that had the most impact me, on me in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, it really just uh, affected me. And, and I had so many experiences that came from that uh, related to inequality Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, you know, gender inequality, class inequality, um, that I, that I had from that experience. And when I sat in that sociology class, I was, oh my God, I was like this, I can so relate to what yeah. they're talking about in here and my own life experiences. Um, and so after that, um, I took that class, I said, yeah, I think this is, this is the major for me. Um, I, I really think that, I can make a difference um, in this in this field. And at first, I thought I was going to be a social worker, Mm -hmm. you know, because I knew that I wanted to give back in some way. And that's why I thought teaching was going to be really the thing for me. Uh, But then, you know, when I went into that sociology class, I thought, oh, you know, I think being a social worker would be great because I really want to help others who've gone through very difficult circumstances like I went through. Right. Right. Who who had to struggle you know, um, to get where they were, you know, and, um, and needed all the help that they could get really. And I'd still, uh, think back of all the people that helped me at that time to get to where I am today. And that's why, so sociology really, it spoke to me because I thought I could, you know, 
make a contribution in that way. Um, so yeah, at first I thought I was going to be a social worker. I was really, you know, um, geared up for that. I kind of, you know, set myself for, up for that when I was an undergrad. Um, but then I took my research methods course ah. in sociology. Okay. Yeah. And I never forget, I had Dr. Forsythe and he was such an interesting person and he really brought the subject to life. And I remember thinking, I absolutely love research. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember thinking, okay, I want to, I want to do some research, you know, I really want to do a project. So, but at the same time, I was really interested in being a social worker. So I talked to him about that and he said, well, why don't you just do some research on social workers? And I was like, yeah, why don't I? And um, so I ended up, um, you know, uh, producing or conducting a, a, a survey uh, mm -hmm. on uh, social workers. And I ended up sending that survey out to all the board certified social workers in the state of Louisiana, by the way, I'm from Louisiana. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and I ended up uh, working with my professor and publishing that, that article as an undergraduate. And it was such an amazing experience that I had wow. that I just felt like um, I want to be a sociologist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really enjoy doing this work. And um, so then um, I, I just decided my changed my career path a little bit. And I went <laughs> again, right? That's the thing. You just never know, right? Life takes yeah. in different directions. Mm -hmm. And um, so I remember, you know, getting a lot of support from my my professor and um, them, him kind of encouraging me to go to graduate school in uh, sociology. So I ended up going and, you know, into a master's program. But then I kind of took another detour. I've taken a lot of detours in my life. I can tell you. Um, then I took another. Still made it. <laughs> I know that's the funny thing. I want to emphasize that to students is that just because you get off track doesn't mean that you can't get right back on track and 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 become, um, you know, and 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 fulfill all your goals. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is definitely possible. I'm I'm a testament to that. Mm -hmm. um, but I went, decided to go to uh, a master's program in women's studies because I was just so, um, like I said, very interested in the understanding gender issues because mm -hmm. of my own experiences. I have to say it really was directly related to my life experiences. And I felt like this is something that I really want to be a part of. So I went into, um, moved to Oregon, uh, again, I'm from Louisiana, went to University of Louisiana at Lafayette, got my undergraduate there, then uh, went to graduate school for a little while in Louisiana, but decided to transfer to a women's studies program, a master's program in women's studies at Oregon State University um, and stayed there and worked there um, as a teaching assistant for mm -hmm. a while uh, in that program. But it was it was an interdisciplinary program. So there it was women's studies and sociology. So I was doing both. Right. Okay. And um, so I ended up doing some teaching assistant work for the women's studies program and then eventually um, was an instructor for their program and taught several classes in the women's studies program there. And again, very passionate. I'm very passionate about those issues uh, around um, uh, gender and women's issues and uh, in general sociology. But I, it was just always a passion for me between the issues around gender and sociology. Right. right, research mm -hmm. in sociology. Um, so I found like, how can I combine both of those things? And that's why I went into that program. Um, okay. And then, you know, so that, you know, overall, I think um, describes, you know, my uh, pathway, right, um, into sociology. Um, there's more to say on that, but I don't want to go too far. <laughs> I'm sure I'll cover that a little bit more as we go along. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like we have a very similar journey. Um, yeah, I didn't know a lot about that. And so, I mean, like, likewise, I was, I came in to the community college and at first I thought, well, maybe I want to be an elementary school teacher, right? Or teach, I was really good with like glass, stained glass and like art. I was really into that as uh, in my senior year. So I was like, well, maybe I want to be an art teacher, you know? And then I like uh, did some research, saw how much they made. And I was like, maybe I want to be something else. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, I just like kind of I took different uh, paths, detours, as you had mentioned, yeah. and um, ultimately found myself uh, really loving this class in so at, at Bakersfield College sociology. Mm -hmm. I mentioned in another uh, podcast, Mita Durwal was the, the my instructor there, my fact the faculty that was there teaching sociology, and man, I just really 
fell in love with it. And mm -hmm. I had always knew I wanted to be a teacher, like you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and I did go into liberal studies, get a bachelor's in liberal studies, because I thought maybe I want to teach elementary school. Um, and then I just saw a flyer on the, on this, on the wall, you know, here at, at uh, CCB, it was like, apply to the master's in sociology program. And I was like, maybe, you know, maybe if um, liberal studies is actually my thing, I'll, I'll come back to it after I get my master's, right? I thought, you know, if I get my master's, I'll get paid more, or whatever, once I'm in the ele elementary school setting. And then I just like, really loved it. And was like, well, maybe I want to go this direction. And it was the same thing. I, I took a research, advanced research <laughs> class with uh, Dr. Edna, Edna Molina and um, did some research. And um, it was about Facebook, why we start these online networks, online communities. And I was like, gosh, this is really fun. Maybe I just want to do that, you know? And I think I, that's, that's how uh, I feel like we were connected because you mm -hmm. had done some research um, with technology and communication. Yeah. So mine was about Facebook, these online networks, and yours is about chat rooms and yeah. how those, you know, were very popular, right? Yeah. And so I'm sure you'll mention some of that mm -hmm. uh, later. But yeah, it seems like we had a very similar <laughs> path. <laughs> so it's really interesting. Yes. And, uh, yeah. And you had mentioned uh, that when you took these sociology classes and you had a really, you had a fascination with gender issues, gender mm -hmm. studies, mm -hmm. um, you said that there was something that you resonated with when it came to gender issues. Do you remember what that was, like your experiences? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to be more direct and honest, it was the experiences I had in high school of I, I being a you know a, a pregnant being a pregnant as a teenager, mm -hmm. and and I and you know my partner, my boyfriend at the time, we went to two different high schools, right? So I had a very different experience. I was pretty much alone, you know, I mean, I had friends, you know, but I didn't have that support there. Mm. And, you know, you know what high school's like, it, it's, it's, it's brutal. Yes. And, uh, you know, so it was managing that, you know, and, and just all of the, um, the, the treatment that you receive, if you, if you don't, um, you know, if you, if you're not in the norm, Right. Mm -hmm. uh, if you yeah. if you you know you're outside of the norm, and I was right. Um, just the kind of treatment that you receive from your peers um, was very difficult. And also, I think what I learned was was how different women and men or girls and boys are treated in society. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. my boyfriend basically he didn't really get a lot of um, uh, you know uh, sanctions, negative sanctions, right? Uh, yeah. For for what happened. However, I, on the other hand, received many, many, many negative sanctions, right? So uh, I was actively involved at the church at the time. And I remember that, um, you know, it was made very clear to me that I could not be involved in some of the activities anymore because I was pregnant. Mm. And however, my boyfriend, they weren't going to do anything to him. He was going to continue to be involved in all these activities. Wow. And now, of course, my mother, being the strong person that she is, said, um, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she made sure that he was, I mean, if they were going to kick people out, that he was going to be kicked out also. Right. So um, I think from an early, you know, from an early age, I became aware of the an inequality um, that we have in the society when it comes to gender issues. Um, from my own experiences, again, like uh, just mm. being noticing the way that, you know, we were both treated very differently, both involved in the same circumstances, but both being treated in very different ways. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my mother has always been a very strong figure um, in my life, you know, made it very clear to me that I needed to make sure that I uh, get myself uh, in, in a good position in life, that I take, get a college degree and that I take care of myself and not depend on um, any, in a, in a, anyone else, especially another man. She would always tell me that because you never know what's going to happen in life. Mm -hmm. And I think her, you know, emphasizing that to me just made me realize that I needed to be independent, uh, an independent person. And that as a woman, it was very important for me to be able to be independent uh, because of all of the forms of inequality that we face uh, related to family work. Um, uh, you know, the list goes on and on, right? Education about, we can see throughout history um, how we uh, are treated differently. Um, and so, you know, I think having those experiences really shaped me 
and um, encouraged me to raise awareness about that was the biggest thing that drew me in is I wanted to be that's why I was like I want to be a teacher but I want to raise awareness about these these forms of inequality right, right. Uh, that exist in society I want to be a part of research mm. um, in this area that brought brings attention to it and you know this was back in the 90s right so this is whenever things yeah we were talking about gender but not like we are today right mm. I mean uh, it, it was there but it was still not something that was I think uh, people were really um, overly aware about. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we are, right? There's a lot more. So I've seen so much change in the, you know, the 20, 20 something years uh, when I first started in, in this area. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we've made a lot of progress in these areas. Um, still a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, I would say those are the things that really, you know, affected me. Right. Yeah. And that's common with like a lot of people I talk to, they just, um, they know there's something happening in society that they're dealing with or they're experiencing. And once they take a sociology class, they're like, oh, actually, this is a pattern that occurs to other people. Like, I'm not just like alone experiencing this stuff. And so you wanted to shed light on that and to share that your experience and just know that this is something that is happening in society that we need to deal with or handle. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, at the time, you know, you think, oh, I'm the only one experiencing this, right? It's a very personal experience. But when I took that sociology class, that's when I realized, oh, no, this is a pattern, you know, Mm -hmm. that it goes beyond just my own individual experiences. This is happening in a much wider way throughout societies and throughout the global world, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so then you, um, you decided to get uh, to earn your PhD, in sociology. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that experience or what led you to, I guess you had already mentioned, you know, you published some research as an undergraduate that kind of led you into the direction of, uh, well, I want to do this as a career, you know, and so um, can you tell us a little bit about your, the school you went to, why you chose that program and um, what your experience was like? Oh, yes. Um, So, yeah, exactly. That that's really kind of how I let I ended up in Oregon was because of that that interest in in women's studies and and um and and in sociology, mm-hmm. and uh, so then I became very interested in technology when I was at Oregon State University. And again, we're talking you know 1997 through the year 2000, where the internet mm-hmm. has really taken off. And people are, you know, more and more people are having computers in their home, the internet, you know, people are using or starting to use the internet um, in, a, in a more um, public way, in a, in a wider way uh, within the society. Um, and so it was very exciting time. You can imagine it's a very exciting time. There was very, very little research out there on this in this area, right, on mm-hmm. social issues related to, you know, technology. So I felt like, oh, you know, this is some cutting edge stuff back then and I, I want to be involved in it. And um, so I ended up uh, doing interviews, actually, with uh, people who were involved in online communication um and different forms of online communication. At the time, we, they wasn't really much, there was some chat rooms available, um, but it was a lot of messaging boards um, that were really popular at that time. So a lot of the people that I interviewed were involved in those kinds of um, you know, electronic communication uh, through the internet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, so that got, I started off there with the messaging boards, right? Doing these interviews and learning a lot about people's experiences on these boards. And I was very much focused in on issues of identity. I wanted to understand how people, um, how people identify themselves, right? And in these spaces and how did they use their identity in these spaces? Mm. Um, And so they talked a little bit about, you know, uh, how if gender mattered at all, you know, when they were online and how it mattered for them, right? It's again, that was my focus was trying to understand these gendered issues. Um, So that was kind of interesting to, to hear them talk about that and how sometimes people would sort of say, as Judith Butler would say, play, you know, with, uh, with gender in different ways online in ways that they couldn't, they couldn't do in an offline setting. So that really intrigued me and, and encouraged me to, to go further, you know, in this area. So I ended up applying to a PhD, pro, PhD programs. I knew I wanted to, to um, pursue a PhD in sociology. 
uh, but with a focus in, in on, um, you know, gender, gender issues. Mm -hmm. So um, applied to a bunch of universities, ended up uh, being a, going to uh, Syracuse University um, in New York uh, because the faculty there at that university were focused in on uh, technology and gender issues. So I felt like this wow. was a really great fit for me, just where mm -hmm. I needed to be and ended up working with uh, Jacqueline Orr, uh, Marjorie DeVault, and some other big uh, name sociologists, uh, feminist sociologists, and uh, was uh, very excited to to have that opportunity. Um, and when I was um, there at uh, Syracuse, it was an awesome experience, I have to tell you. Um, because there were so many resources available for students. And I wasn't used to that, to be honest with you. Um, um, it was a private university. And, uh, you know, oftentimes private universities, they have a lot more funding uh, than the public universities. And so there was always a lot of support, right, for um, the different things that I was interested in doing. And um, I was able to work with, like I said, several faculty members on different projects, um, learning more about qualitative research, which is my, another one of my areas, you know, uh, uh, you know, doing, working on qualitative research projects with them. Um, also, another passion of mine is uh, service learning and uh, internships. And I was able to work with professors um, on projects in, uh, related to service learning, work with um, undergraduates and help them work on a project related to it. Ended up going to um, Bilbao, Spain um, to represent Syracuse University on these topics that are related to service learning. Um, so, it, you know, again, it was just like all these wonderful experiences that I was able to have. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed my time at Syracuse. Um, and it provided me really the foundation for every, you know, for everything that I went on to do. I had amazing experiences with uh, my coursework there, uh, the professors that I've worked with. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up working you mentioned chat rooms, right? And and mm -hmm. Andres, you know about my research in that area. And that's what kind of drew us together uh, was that I ended up doing my PhD on a regional romance chat room. Um, at the time, I know uh, people who are listening to this will say, chat rooms, what? You know, because <laughs> nobody uses chat rooms anymore. But you have to remember, yeah. in, from this was between the years of 2000 and 2005. And at that time, chat rooms were big. You know, um, we didn't have Facebook and, um, you know, uh, Instagram and, and mm. all, TikTok and all these things at the time. <laughs> it was chat rooms. Right. Mm. And so we you know, went from from messaging boards to to chat rooms. And again, my research was one of the one of the uh, earlier studies um, in, in this area. I mean, there were definitely studies that were done um, on uh, chat rooms, but there weren't many. There weren't many. Yeah. So um, I was very interested in, you know, working in this area. I, I spent a lot of time, you know, trying to reach out to to other researchers who were doing um, um, work in online um, online venues. And so uh, it was a very interesting study. Uh, it was, you know, a, a three year study. I spent a lot of time in this chat room, uh, you know, many, 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 many hours, I can tell you. <laughs> um, and it was sort of a study where I was looking at the community of the chat room, but I was also looking at the gender dynamic, the gender and sex, uh, sexuality dynamics um, in, in those, uh, okay. those platforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I would be happy to talk more about that if you're interested to know more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um I remember just, re I read your dis dissertation because, um, you know, I had the same interests and in, as an, um, or as a graduate student, um, completing my math, my master's thesis, it, you know, I thought, well, maybe I can use some concepts or, or things here. And one thing I found fascinating from that dissertation was, uh, that you had used a bar term, right? Like regulars. And so what you would do is you would sit there, you would watch the conversations happen, um, and it's, and what's interesting to kind of, I'll come back to what I was talking about with the, the bartending term, but, uh, the ethical stuff is very new, right? So it was kind of like, well, can mm -hmm. we be doing that? And it's kind of like, really, we haven't crossed that territory yet mm -hmm. when it comes to these, uh, online environments. And yeah. so you had, um, made it so that, if somebody was to reach out to you, I mean, you were considered the lurker, you were 
mm-hmm. watching everything that was happening mm-hmm. as it unfolded in front mm-hmm. of you. But mm-hmm. if somebody was to reach out to you and say, who are you yeah. and what are you doing in this space, then you would have revealed yeah. yourself as a researcher. So it's really interesting how to handle these ethical um, dilemmas or issues when it comes to these these things that are very new to us. Absolutely. So yeah, it's really, I thought that that was really fascinating and kind of circle back around to that term regulars. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really fascinating that, you know, you would often see people within that chat room, just circle back in and you're, you notice that there is just these regulars that would come in and have these ongoing and these chats and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, it was kind of like a bar setting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It it, it had a very similar feel to it. And, and, and you have to have to realize that in the platform that I was doing, there were many, there are many um, copies of the same room, right? So we're, we're, you know, there may be like 25 copies of the exact same room, but Mm -hmm. for some reason, they all come back to this one room, right? Mm -hmm. And and so it was just odd, like, why? You know, why wouldn't they just kind of bounce around and like, you know, just be going in different, but no, they they would always come back to the same room. And uh, so I found that fascinating, right? It's like, how do people create community in a place that is lacking, Mm-hmm. you know, lacking community. It, technology doesn't seem like a place where you build that, right? Yeah. Um, and and people were doing that in these settings. They were making that for themselves. Um, and absolutely, the ethical issues were very interesting. And that's something I had to work out for a good year before I was able to conduct the study. Mm-hmm. I went to conferences. I talked to other researchers. You know, I you know went through the IRB process and had to very much make a case right for why this space was a public space and not a private space yeah Um, and that was it hinged all upon that right Mm. you know because you know we can do research in a public setting without you know having to disclose to everyone in that setting that we're doing research right but um you know i thought it was very important that if someone did contact me that i would inform them you know hey i'm doing this research i'm here i'm a researcher um, so I did put that caveat in there to make sure, but again, strangely enough, not very often that that happened, mm-hmm. people were just very much centered in their, you know, talking with other people, uh, you know, because they knew each other so well, they just came back and continued to talk to each other. Yeah. Um, we'd always have newbies that would come in the room. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it was definitely a place for the regulars also. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But other people were welcome to come in and share that space. Always. Yeah. Always. We always had people in and out. And there's so much more to say about this study. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, there's so many dynamics yeah. that occurred um in the setting, which I found fascinating. I could go on and on about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was just I thought it was so fascinating because around that time, that's when I was engaged in chat rooms, you know, like you had mentioned, we didn't have like Facebook or anything MySpace was kind of newish right and so that was a space that you can get into but uh I mean, there was like MSN Messenger AOL yep. Messenger uh Yahoo Messenger these are all the spaces that I would <laughs> interact with people and so yeah it was very interesting and I think one thing that I found um uh, was that each I felt like each platform uh had a different structure or um, different feel about it, I guess I should say. And it was much like Facebook and MySpace. Like MySpace was all about creating your identity. How can I create this like luxurious look (laughs) for me on this space? Um, Mm -hmm. And then Facebook was all about the connectivity. Like how many people do I know um, in my network? And so that's what really drew people And I always, in my research, I often uh, refer to it as a migration. It was like a migration, like a heavy migration from MySpace to Facebook. Mm -hmm. And MySpace is like really not really existent anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, it was very interesting. And so I feel like it's like the same with chat rooms. It was like when I used Yahoo Messenger, it was like almost like you're able to share freely your own, what you wanted to say, because I felt like you're you were anonymous, you were, Mm -hmm. you, you can kind of withhold your identity from these strangers, Mm -hmm. but you could still interact with these strangers. It's very interesting. But with, I feel like MSN Messenger was more about 
was interacting with people that I went to school with. So it was like, you knew the identity of those people. So yes, that's really fascinating. Uh, the whole, the, the whole chat room discussion. I didn't, re I mean, I read your whole dissertation. So it was like, <laughs> it was it, really interesting. It, it is fascinating. And I'm um, um, just thinking about um, what you meant, what you just said about um, this anonymous feature, mm -hmm. right? What, this is the one thing that always kind of perplexed me because the kinds of things they would talk about, you would, when I would, you know, think about the things that they would talk about, I'm like, wow, I don't know if this would occur in a face-to-face, -face, right? I'm, I just don't know if these yeah. kinds of discussions would happen. I remember mm -hmm. thinking that myself so often. But strangely enough, some of the regulars would get together in the offline world mm -hmm. occasionally and have internet, they would call them internet parties. Huh. So it was like, okay, you know, they, they would act and do things in, in the setting and communicate, but then they occasionally would gather because it was a regional. Yeah. Right. So they could, some of them would, you know, get together and, um, you know, travel a little bit of distance, mm -hmm. um, to have a get together. So it was, it was very unique, yeah, that's um, setting yeah. and how they man, <laughs> how did they kind of, you know, um, balance these the both worlds, right. That face-to-face -face yeah. and, and online world and, and what, and how they managed, um, the dynamics of when new people would come in are what we call troublemakers, you know, like people who are purposely there just to, um, uh, you know, cause trouble, right. Just to, to spam or, 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 you know, or do whatever they were going to do to interrupt the conversation. And then you'd see how the community members, uh, would join together to resist, um, mm -hmm. uh, those disruptions. Right. And yeah. basically say, no, this is our space. You can't come in here and you can't, you know, disturb <laughs> it and, and take ownership somewhat and create, again how does the community do that yeah you know uh, in a technological space yeah so um there was just and that's not even getting onto the topic of all the gender dynamics that happen uh, i mean there's yeah. a whole nother realm <laughs> there right this is just thinking about community formation yeah there's yeah. also the whole you know mm -hmm. issue of how how did they um um you know do gender mm -hmm. right in such mm -hmm. with without those physical markers right and that, yeah. and I know you've read my dissertation, so you know that's that's a that's a very uh, <laughs> fascinating yes yeah, display. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, I think that that's uh, I mean, yeah, we we should have you back on. <laughs> we could talk about that. That would be really fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you um went ahead, you uh did some research as a PhD student, um, and you uh finished your dissertation. How did you come across uh, Bakersfield? I mean, oh, yes. you know, how did you end up here at CSU Bakersfield? Yes, yes. How did I get here? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I thought I was going to be on the East Coast. I did. I just thought, you know, mm -hmm. this is where I'm going to end up. I, my plan was to teach at a liberal arts college somewhere in the Northeast. You know, um, I I thought it was going to be just some small little college, you know, it's going to be uh, uh, you know, small classrooms and all that had this idea of this is how it's going to be. Uh, I ended up teaching at Lafayette College in Pennsylvania, uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, right uh, after I received my PhD. So I, I was a visiting uh, assistant professor um, at uh, that college uh, right out of uh, my PhD program. So I thought, oh, you know, this is a good experience. Get to see if this is what I like. And I really did enjoy it. It was great. You know, I got to work very closely with students. It was, again, small classes. Um, it was a really awesome experience. But then, you know, I applied, was applying to universities. And, um, you know, uh, I, I went on a few interviews. And then I saw, you know, CSU Bakersfield. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't know. My My roots are at, you know, the kind of, you know, state school, right? That's where my, I started at, at university. Well, it was called University of Southwestern Louisiana. Now it's U, UL Lafayette. But that's where I started. And I was like, you know, I would, I think I would do well too working in, in that, in that type of university, because I'm, I'm familiar with it. I had good experiences there also. That's where I found my love for sociology. Um, and I really think it would be great to work with students that were like me, mm -hmm. right? Who, yeah. who didn't have, um, you know, uh, I was a first generation, you know, college student and didn't, didn't have a lot of resources, um, didn't have a lot of, um, help, you know, um, sort of maneuvering through the, you know, the, the institution. Um, and I thought, you know, Hey, I could really help these students, you know, um, get, you know, get a 
more familiar with college and feel comfortable with college. So I was like, this might be a good place for me. So I applied at CSU Bakersfield and got an interview, came out, really enjoyed the colleagues that uh, I met there, really mm -hmm. enjoyed the university. I loved the CSU system. I thought this was, I really believe in it. You know, I think um, it's, it's a wonderful system to help um, students get an education. Um, especially students who, you know, don't come from privileged backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. Who can't always go to these, you know, private universities that, that cost a ton of money. And you can go to a CSU and get just as high quality of an education. We've got some outstanding educators um, at, at, at the CSU. So I was like, yeah, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I accepted the position and I've been at CSU Bakersfield since 2006. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, you had mentioned the uh, being very affordable for students that can't afford to go to these like, you know, <clears throat> very prestigious colleges, as you know, it's mentioned. And I had a friend that went to uh, a school in the UC system and he also had experience in the CSU system. He says, I saw no difference. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just very similar quality of instruction and faculty members. And I've actually heard that you, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, <laughs> be negative about the UCS or anything like that, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I've heard that, uh, faculty members are, um, you're able to interact with them much, um, much more in the mm -hmm. CSU system than you would in other types of institutions. So mm -hmm. I am so grateful for CSUB being here, just being so close to where I was because, I'm like you mentioned, I'm not, I'm one of those students. I'm not a privileged, I'm not in a privileged position in mm -hmm. society. So this was definitely uh, the best opportunity for me. Um, and I just, I really love this campus and it's just, it's just been great. So definitely mm -hmm. thank you for coming and, uh, and serving this institution because you, you knew the type of students that were going to go here. So that's and awesome. it's so rewarding. It, it's so rewarding to work with students too, who, you know, um, they're not quite sure what they want to do. And and then you talk to them about all the things that are available and all the opportunities and just to see them light up. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's an extremely rewarding experience. Yeah, definitely. And so you've um, taught here, you said you can't, you came here uh, 2016 is when you started and now you're currently holding the chair position in sociology and I just wanted to ask what that title or position entails. Um, can you get, tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yes. I can talk <laughs> quite a bit about my role. And honestly, um, I, I didn't know that I, I didn't think that I was going to come into this position, uh, at least not right now in my career. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I've been here. It's gone, I'm going to my 17th year. Uh, some kind of a mid-career, you know, but I was like, okay, I thought maybe, you know, maybe I'll serve as chair a little later, but um, it ended up being two years ago, um, you know, the, the department needed someone to step in and I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go for it. But I thought I was, you know, just going to be teaching, just going to continue teaching. Yeah. Um, that's what I've been doing, you know, for 20 something years. But um, I was like, well, okay, let me go ahead and try this position. So two years ago, I became chair as in fall, uh, summer of 2020. And uh, I didn't, you know, I, I knew a little bit about the position because the previous chair was uh, a colleague of mine, and we would often talk about what it's like being chair. Um, but it, it is in a very um, uh, a busy job. Okay, I just want to reiterate that it's a very, very um, involved job. Uh, there's a lot of tasks to be done as the chair of the department. Uh, some of the things that I do um, in general is just I work with the faculty uh, on just every issue you could possibly imagine that could come up. <laughs> it mm. could be related to classes. It could be related to professional development and research, um, the types of um, service that we do uh, throughout the university. I just help put out fires. I like to think of myself as of, you know, doing that kind of work. Um, I'm, I'm, my job throughout the day is pretty much putting out fires yes. um, that come up throughout the day. Right. Um, but mm -hmm. I like it. I really enjoy doing it. Um, I work with students all the time, you know, for various issues that come up, uh, might be related to their classes, might be related to, they just want to know more, more about sociology. You know, they're having problems with a class. They're, they're, they're having problems with their schedule. Um, you know, they need some direction, 
uh, about, uh, you know, their, their careers. So I, I frequently, you know, um, you know, just are talking with them about a range of issues. And I'm sort of represent, I represent the department, really. Mm-hmm. I'm the representative of the department. Um, I'm constantly in meetings. That's another thing that chairs do. They are in meetings all day long. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, and at you know different levels in the university, so that I am uh, informing uh, uh, people at a higher level about the things that we're doing in the department, and then that also I'm gaining the information that I need to convey to the faculty about issues that come up throughout the university. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, making sure that um, uh, we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing in the department, that we're aware of everything that we're supposed to be doing. Um, uh, I have to handle the creating the schedule for the department, um, which is the most one of the most important tasks that I have is making sure the schedule is good and ready to go. It's a very big job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I participate in hiring of new faculty, uh, working with, you know, just working with um, them in whatever capacity that they need help in. Um, I handle the curriculum for the department, uh, making sure everything is um uh, you know, organized and clear and all of the descriptions and the uh, catalog, the course catalog is in order. So, um, oh gosh, can I go on and on about the <laughs> things that I do as a chair? I, I think I could list a lot more yeah. here, yeah, but you, yeah. Yeah, you definitely wear many hats and uh, I'm very appreciative of that. I always feel like, you know, we're we're filled in with the the newest information that is important for faculty members. So definitely appreciate all the meetings you attend and all the fires you put out. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so what would be, I guess, since you've held this position as a chair, what would be the things that you enjoy about the position? Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. And I have to say, I would like to say, I absolutely love my job. I, I mean, I love teach. I love teaching. Don't be wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love teaching, you know, again, I, I did, I've done it for many, many years, but when I became, when I came into this position, I realized, hey, you know what? I really, really like doing this. It just, mm-hmm. and I didn't know it. That's the thing. I just, I didn't know I was going to like it this much. Um, it wasn't until I was in the position itself and started doing the work that it came to me that dawned on me that, yeah, like this is really something I enjoy doing. So I, another thing I want to tell the students is, you know, you never know. You might think, oh, OK, eh, this might not be for me, but it's good to step out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. because I at first I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. I I, I don't know. This is going to be too much. You know, I, I don't know if I can handle this. I, I, I'm going to stick with what I know. Right. Which is teaching, research, service. That's what I do. But when I got into this position, I, I just, like I said, it, it was something that really, um, it, it just spoke to me and, and, uh, I felt like I was good at it. I was like, you yeah. know what? I'm really good at this, this work. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would say the thing that's most enjoyable, uh, for me is, um, man, just the idea of managing the department, managing something, right. I love to be making sure that everything is running like it should run, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of business. I call it TCB, taking care of business, right? <laughs> I'm that person. I'm I, I'm that kind of person where I like to take care of business. I yeah. like to make sure that, you know, everything's in order. The faculty have what they need. You know, students, you know, are, are in, taking all the courses that they are required to take and they know their, their path and they know what to do. I like making sure that, you know, the department is um, set up and organized so that, you know, everybody has access to the things that they need. You know, it's just a fun experience for me to manage something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um, and then of course, working with people, working with faculty, working with students, you know, it's, it's fun. I, I, I never thought I would say that about my job, but it's fun for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Especially when things work out and you know, that you've uh, tackled something before it came a problem. Um, you see faculty members are very appreciative and, um, and also students, you know, uh, and what would be, what would you say are the challenges oh, of yes. your position? Yes. And there's not without challenges. I will tell you that. So I'm saying <laughs> yeah. all these things like, oh, I love it. I love it. But there are challenges and they come up a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's very satisfying to accomplish a goal. And that's another thing I like being about chairs because it's very task oriented, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have a, you have a project, you have something you need to do. 
you can see it become resolved, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times with teaching, you know, you teach, but then you never know what the effects of those are going to be. You yeah. know, your students leave and you don't know what happens. You know, sometimes I, I, I often do keep in touch with them, but a lot of times I don't know what happens. So I don't know what happened to them later in their life. <laughs> um, but, but with this job, you know, you can see the outcomes um, quickly or relatively mm -hmm. quickly. But there are challenges because things don't always work out like you expect them to do. Like you may have the best intentions, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm going to set this all up. But then you realize, oh, no, people didn't like that. Or or no, uh, mm -hmm. no, that didn't work out like I expected it to work. Or, you know, um, oh, you know, um, now they want me to go back and do something different than what I, you know, what I, I put all this work into something. And then, mm -hmm. oh, no, I got to go back and change the whole thing up because somebody oh. made a different decision and now they want it differently. <laughs> ah, so, yeah. you know, there's things come up a lot when you're talking about a big institution like C uh, CSUB, mm -hmm. that things are changing all the time. So one way we may do things, right? You finally get the hang of it and you're like, okay, I got this down. You know, I can do this, I can do it with my eyes closed. You know, it's like, yeah, I got it. And then next thing you know, literally a few months later, they come out, oh, no, we changed the whole process and now you got to uh. do it differently. So it's like, I'm constantly learning, yeah. right? Yep. It's, it's, it's never like, it's just, you stay in one place. Uh, things change in the university all the time. So there's always new information, mm -hmm. um, new processes, new ways of doing things. And I, then I have to make sure everybody's aware of these new ways of doing things and I have to communicate effectively with everyone and make sure everybody knows what's going on. Right. So that can be kind of frustrating sometimes because I feel like I'm like, you know, just running and running and running and running and running. Yeah. And um, it can get, it can get overwhelming sometimes mm -hmm. at times. But I always remember to take a step back yeah, and remember why I'm here and what I'm doing is to serve the department, mm -hmm. to serve the faculty, to serve students. Um, I always try to keep what the point of this is, even when I get frustrated, to remember why I'm here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And so, yeah, I mean, like any other bureaucracy, CSUB is one, right, with all this red tape and these rules and and things that change, regulations and stuff. So. I could see how that could be frustrating or challenging. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And um, so if you were to give some advice to anybody that's interested in pursuing a sociology degree here at CCB or is already enrolled, is about to begin, um, what advice would you give them that would help them to prepare for the program? Ah, another good question. So I, this is a really passionate, uh, a passion project for me really is about, um, you know, really encouraging students to think about their goals early on in life. And the reason why I say that is because when I was an undergraduate, like I said, I was really interested in sociology and, and, but I, I don't know if I was, I don't know if I sat down and really said to myself, okay, you need to get a clear path here of what you want to do. I think that's why I kind of changed around so much in the beginning. So, mm -hmm. um, and that's okay to do that. Right. I just want to emphasize that it's OK to do that. Sometimes you have to do that to kind of find the, your way. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's really important, especially in the kind of world we live in today, in the kind of society we live in today, that um, people are prepared um, early on for what's to come. I mean, you know, already, if you look at high school students, they're getting prepared earlier and earlier. Right. They're they're being asked in their junior and senior years to know exactly what they want to do. <laughs> and they're already taking college credits, you know, when they're sophomores, you know, um, and freshmen mm -hmm. uh, to prepare for college. So there's this pressure. Right. I know that there's this pressure early on to figure it all out and you don't yeah. have to have it all figured out. But it is important to have to be thinking about these things right when you come into college. What mm -hmm. I find a lot of times is students will often wait to think about what they what the next step is in life in their senior year and by that time you're so busy just trying to finish your coursework and, and you know figure it all out that it's not a lot of time left to think about what's next what's the next yeah. step so I my biggest piece of advice is to in your freshman year think about what your goals are early on um, we have three um, pathways in sociology so it's like okay what would be the best um, pathway for me you know what do I want to what how do I see myself you know 10 years from now start mm -hmm. with five years and then then move up to 10 years where where do you see mm -hmm. yourself um, you know a lot of our students they want to help people right they want to be in the helping professions 
So we have a, you know, a concentration that just focuses on human services. And so a lot of our students want to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. Some students are not so clear on what they want to do. So we always encourage them to go into the, you know, general traditional pathway because it's, it's a broad approach and you can, you know, you can take a minor, you know, and, 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 and work in another discipline. So maybe that gives you some insight in how, what mm -hmm. you want to do. Right. Um, so we also have the racial and ethnic dynamics concentration for students who really are interested in these in these issues and they want to pursue careers and that really focus on uh, racial and ethnic dynamics and how we can improve, right? Um, uh, how we can improve the world for uh, when we talk about race and ethnicity, mm -hmm. uh, we talk about various issues of inequality in general. So how, you know, having those issues front and center. So you could be working in public policy and those issues can come up, right? It can be sent front and center to um, the differences, you know, that you think you can make in society. So um, I think that it's really important for students to, to have a good understanding of the direction they want to go in, in mm -hmm. life. Um, so that's my first piece of advice. Um, I, I think another thing I would say is to uh, think about, you know, working with your professors early on. I know a lot of times students tend to be a little shy and they don't always want to, you know, reach out to their instructors, but I really encourage students to talk to their professors early on. We're always interested in talking with students. We always want to know more about their lives and, and help them in any way we can. I know all of my colleagues in the department are very much interested in that. Mm -hmm. And we wish more students would come to speak with us earlier on, right? So um, we could talk about it doesn't just have to be about the class. It could be about, again, their goals in life. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. I just encourage students to reach out to their faculty, reach out to their professors early on, um, not wait till, you know, their junior, senior year, but even in the beginning um, to get advice, to get, you know, um, suggestions about, um, you know, their coursework or again, their career path. Yeah. Um, and, uh, also, just making sure you meet with your advisor. That's a big thing. A lot of times I think students think, oh, you know, I can go up my own and, you know, I can figure this out. You know, I got I, I can figure this out by just looking at um, the information online. But a lot of times um, things can get a little complicated when it comes to our coursework mm -hmm. and um, and maneuvering through the institution. Right. So I definitely encourage students to reach out to their advisors meet with them to make sure they're following the correct path, uh, make mm -hmm. sure they're taking the courses in the correct sequence that they should be taking them in. Because a lot of times we'll find students, you know, they'll be in their senior year and they're missing this or missing that. Yeah. And we come to find out sometimes they haven't met with an advisor and uh, we just wish they would meet with them earlier so that those things could be avoided because we want students to be successful. That's our, I know all of us, all of us in the, this department, care greatly about making sure our students are successful. We want to do everything we can. Um, and yeah. uh, by reaching out to us early on, uh, we can guide you, right? Yeah. To make sure that you have a, a, a pleasant, um, you know, a comfortable experience moving through the program. Yeah. Yeah. Those are excellent points. I mean, I have this, uh, <clears throat> you had mentioned uh, students just coming in and asking questions and I have an open door policy where I'm, I'm open to students just coming in and, saying, well, look, you know, like I've considered this and I feel like I want to get a master's in sociology or a master's in social work. And then I can kind of guide them into the necessary track that would get them there. I've also had students to say, I don't think I want to do sociology anymore. And so what are my options now? You know, and so they've um, actually left the discipline to go into other disciplines that they felt more and more in their, uh, that they desired more. And so I've, I'm always open to having something like that. And so I, I feel, you know, a lot of our uh, faculty members do have that same attitude where it's just an open door policy, welcoming, encouraging them to come in and ask questions. Um, and then you had mm -hmm. mentioned the uh, advising, right? That, yes. uh, that is super important. I, I'm a faculty advisor on the CCB AV campus, which is a satellite campus um, from CSU Bakersfield. And yeah, it's just, you just don't know how many times students just come in and they're like, you look at their their plan and you're like oh gosh like you've never come to see me and now you have to take this class and this class class and actually this class is only offered once a year so now we have to postpone your graduation and so it just can be a mess you know and sometimes it could often lead them I mean 
I just like, this is really a difficult task. And, you know, it's kind of almost setting them up for failure. You know, it's like, you got to take a theory, uh, upper division methods class or senior seminar class, and then two other, three other classes. It's like, that just really seems <laughs> difficult, you know? And so, um, yeah. yeah. And it, it just, I think definitely meeting with an academic advisor to just map these out, know which class, which time or semesters or quarters, whatever you want, uh, these classes are offered so you don't miss them if they're once a year or just being able to ask like what does this class entail or require of me um, before I get before I sign up in in this you know I, there's internship classes which require your time outside of the classroom uh, I you know we we taught or we teach qualitative research methods which requires students to co-create data with their participants. And that requires a lot of time. It's not just like punching numbers into a database and generating output and then interpreting that. It, it requires time. And so I think students need to know um, what these classes entail. And I think that meeting with the academic advisor can give them that kind of information. And it's really that, important. Yeah. That is an excellent point that you raise. And I yeah. even had a little note about that, which was uh, getting a better understanding of what's expected of you out of the, in, in these courses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that is one thing that advisors can absolutely help students with, because they, I think that happens a lot. They get into the classes and they're like, I, this is, you know, I didn't think this was going to be like this, or I didn't realize it was going to, you know, be this work, this kind of work. And uh, we do have some challenging courses in our, in our program, just like any program. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, okay, here's what's going to be involved. Here's how to prepare for it. Right. And an, an advisor can really help with that. And the other thing I was going to mention, and you brought up internships, right? Yeah. That's another thing that's really a good piece of advice here is to try to gain some experience mm -hmm. before you graduate. It was always important, but it's it's more important than it's ever been uh, right. today um, because um, you really need to have that you know foundation in some way of working out in the field and whatever that might be. It, it could be, a range of different things, depending on what students want to go into, mm -hmm. but having that early on, um, when they go out into the, and they go out into the field and they go out into the work world, um, being able to say, I have this bachelor's degree, but Hey, guess what? I've also done this work. I have both of these things. It's yeah. going to make students way more competitive, um, than yes. if they just have, I mean, look, the bachelor's degree is wonderful. It's going to definitely, um, put you, you know, at a higher position, right and give you that leverage mm -hmm. but having that experience really just ups the game up a lot and so i i definitely emphasize that to students whatever it is have some type of experience that, that you can fall back on that's why internships are great um uh, yeah. i think people really are, are are happy when they see that students have that experience um and and you know are more likely to give that person a second look yeah. um if they do have it so yeah all the things that you just said I definitely agree with. Yeah. Yeah. Internships, volunteer work, or even just being a part of a club and their club activities, they get involved in the community. And so you can actually put that on your resume as well. Uh, I just had a conversation with Joey Williams, who is, uh, he talked about how uh, he would approach people and say, Hey, we have this volunteer opportunities. You want to join? And people are like, eh, you know, I'm good. And then like, they, the same people will, will approach him and are like, hey, I heard you're hiring. He's like, yeah, but you don't have any experience. They're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, you never helped out or you never like did any volunteer work or you haven't, you know, it's, I've, I've just heard so many stories where students graduate and yeah, they may have these high marks, these very good grades, but they didn't really, they weren't really active in the community mm -hmm. or with internships and they find it very difficult and challenging, even with the grades that they have to find employment, you know, and I think that that experience that you get from internships, volunteer work is important, is crucial, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. just to be open, you know, yeah. I think it's another factor. It's a little scary sometimes, right. To, to put yourself out there. Yeah. Um, but I think that's one of the best things that a student can do for themselves is to be open to new experiences. Right. Right. To say, you know what? Yeah, I'm not necessarily comfortable with that, but that's OK. I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work, hey, that's OK. No big deal. Yeah. You know, you gave it a you, you gave your best effort. You tried it. No, I'm going to try something else. OK, yeah, no, I really like this. This is this is the thing for me. Right. Yeah. Um. So just 
you know, and that, and that also includes in your classes, in your coursework, right? Yeah. I know a lot of times students may also feel a little uh, skeptical to engage or be involved in things, but the more you are involved, the more you're going to get out of the experience. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're here, uh, you're, you're, you're here to, to receive an education. I always say, get the most that you can out of your yeah. education, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, this is going to be one of the, I think one of the best times in your life. Maybe some people might disagree with me, but um, <laughs> I think it's a great opportunity. This time in your life is a great opportunity to get the most you can out of things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you when you go shopping, you look for the best bang for your buck, right? What's the Absolutely. best product that I can get with the money that I have? You know, it should be the same thing with an education, not seeking less with the amount that you paid, you know? So yeah, very, Absolutely. very mm-hmm. Well, hey, I want to thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure having you. And, you know, I know that you wear many hats as a chair. And so really appreciative of your time and joining us and just sharing your story with us. Oh, you're welcome. It was a lot of fun. I just, you know, enjoy um, talking about uh, my experiences. And, you know, if anything that I can share or help others, I'm glad to do it. Definitely. Yeah. And I'd love to just really dig it back into your dissertation sometime soon. If, uh, maybe we can have you back on in the future. That'd be great. I'd, I'd love to do that. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Sociology Talk. For more stories about sociologists, please subscribe and check out my other episodes. Take care.